0: I can see that someone is sleeping. You know how do I judge whether you're sleeping or not? Your head is like this. Those whose head are like this, they're not meditating. If you're meditating, you're not sleeping, your head should be like this or not like this. You're cheating yourself, actually, you're not meditating. So, the first meditation technique that we use today is to break your habitual perpetuation of your mental affliction thought. So you have an anxiety coming up, you have rage coming up, arrogance, unhappy feelings. Don't continue with a second thought. Break it up with a focus. You require the training. It's not a one-time deal. It's a hundred-time deal. When you get used to it, then you're the controller. Of your own mind because you can control your thought. When your monkey is gone, just put it back. Don't hate your monkey. You have to be compassionate to yourself. Don't hate yourself. How come I couldn't do it? How come I always have that desultory thought? It goes away. Be compassionate to yourself. Don't hate the monkey. Don't hate the fact that you can't do it now. You have to gradually build up that focus. That's number one. If you can't even do that, you really have to continue with the medication, and that's no good for you. I'm sure you can do it. Because there's another side effect coming from it. If you can control your thought at that level, you can also induce your mind to do whatever you want to achieve. That's the reason why some positive thinkers said that whatever the mind can conceive, the mind can do. So if if you train a teenager, or school students, to be, be, to be a good meditator, he'll do good at school. So if you're a parent, if your parents training your teenagers at home, you really have to give him some time for meditation so that he can control his own thought, so that he can tell himself, I want to achieve that A in mathematics. I want to achieve that in that. Because he's, he's actually auto-suggesting himself by controlling his thought. That's number one. Just now, we heard some noises upstairs, moving tables around. There's like a distraction. You have to let that go. That's a sound that gets in, 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 into your eardrums. You have to let that go. So at the same time, when you are doing this focus, there will be disturbances, for sure. Those kind of disturbances, when they come, don't hate it. I hate that guy moving tables around here while I'm meditating. I've got to report him. Don't put hatred on it. Just let it go. Let it float out. Don't add hatred on anything. And don't add hatred on the depression. How come I'm useless? How come I always have this feeling? I don't like myself. Be compassionate to yourself. Number one. Okay, let's go on to the next one. We still have some time left. Contemplation. In Vimalakriti Sutra Mantris Bodhisattva asked Vimalakriti, Upasaka, how does one practice in order to get rid of mental afflictions? Vimalakriti answered, one must meditate with the right contemplation, satipatthana. The right contemplation is satipatthana. But what's, what, is, what is satipatthana? Other than focus, we must have focus is to, to discontinue your erroneous uh, thinking pattern. But contemplation is to give wisdom to it. It's two parts. One is the concentration. The other is the wisdom that you induce in your meditation. And let's go into that wisdom. How do we, how do we practice Satipatthana? The right contemplation. So, a thought of anxiety comes up. A thought of greediness comes up. A thought of laziness comes up. A thought of sensual desire comes up. A thought of addiction to alcohol comes up. It comes up in you. Next. Be aware of the rising of that thought. Oh yeah, that depression comes up now. That anxiety comes up now. That greediness comes up now. That egoistic feeling comes up now. You have to be aware of it. Our problem is, we're not even aware. We're not even aware that the problems are there. We just continue with it. You tell the gambler not to gamble. He's aware that gambling is not that good. It's not good. But he continue and continue. Because he's not aware. So you must be the first step in Satipatthana is you must know that thought comes up. The third, watch the thought with the four contemplations. One of the four contemplations will deal with them. You must, okay, that thought comes up. You are aware of it now. You must use something some insightful contemplation, to dissolve that thought. And then finally, let go of that thought. Then you will let go of that thought. You have to go through some rationalization in order to let it go. But how do we get into the details of it? What is this four contemplations? What are these four contemplations? How do we dissolve this, this thought? A thought comes up, arises in the mind. Immediately, you are aware of the rising of such thought. You distance yourself from it. Don't follow the thought. Whisper to yourself, this is a thought of anxiety that is coming up now. I must not follow it. I'll let it go. I'll let it go. It's a thought of greediness. It's a thought of addiction. It's a thought that's egoistic. I must let go of that thought. Is a thought of attachment. So distance yourself from it. You are aware of it. Third, watch the thought with the four contemplations. One of the four contemplations, number one, now this thought makes me feel uncomfortable. My heartbeat is faster. My respiration is faster. I feel my hormones is working. My hatred is working in me. I dislike it. I hate it. I feel depressive. I feel angry. I'll let go of it, take a deep breath, and relax myself. Because that psychological feeling affects you physiologically. An emotion, when an emotion comes up, it's not just one, the psychological part of it. It's not just the thinking, it's also the feeling. Because when a thought of anxiety comes up, it, it, the brain actually is in three parts. your limbic system, which is your emotional brain, and then your your cerebral cortex, which is your learning brain, your rational brain, and there's also the spinal cord and the spinal stem, which is your survival brain. When when anxiety comes up, when when emotion comes up, it strikes your limbic system, which sends messages to the amygdala. Amygdalas are the two loops inside your brain, which send messages to say, I'm not happy. I hate that guy. I dislike my dad. I hate my mom. I don't like my friends. How come I have no value? You know, that would send messages to your amygdala, and the amygdala would, at the same time, if it's not being controlled by your hippocampus, in your brain, it would secrete hormones. Hormones of anger. Hormones of anxiety. And it would go through all your body. So in other words, you don't think that it's just a psychological problem. It's a physiological problem. Your respiration increase, your heartbeat increase, it affects your body. So immediately take a deep breath and say, I'll let it go. I'm not going to think about it. Or you can get back to your inner anabana, anabana zati. That's your focus. Get back to that one. Watch the thought. Number one, with the, the four contemplation. That's the number one step. Number two, The thought of anxiety is just a thought. It's just a feeling of anxiety that has no substance in itself. I must let it go. It's not me. The thought is not me. How come I identify myself with the thought? It's not me. I must let it go. My feeling of suffering is unpleasurable. I don't like the feeling. It's not happiness. I don't I dislike the feeling, but that's just a feeling. That feeling is not me. I just identify myself with that feeling. Third, this thought is only temporary and not everlasting. It would not last all the time. This thought is only temporary and not lasting. How come I thought it would be lasting? How come I thought that it will be hurting me? It's not going to it's gonna go anyway. Number four, this thought is certainly not me. I'm not the thought. Neither am I the feeling. I'm not the feeling, I'm not the thought. But why do I have to identify myself with that feeling? Isn't that stupid? I'm stupid to identify myself with this anxiety. So I have to watch it with the full contemplations. It takes training. This part is for those that, when you're sitting in meditation, you're using your breath in and out, you're doing your focus all right, and then you, all these disturbances that float out, but all of a sudden I remember my company, it's, it's going through a lot of troubles, and I may lose my job. And, oh, gee, I, got a lot, I have a lot of worries. What happened? My colleagues are stabbing my back, and tomorrow when I go back there, I don't like it. And here, my wife, it's, 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 uh, I don't know, I'm suspicious of my wife. He's not, he's, not, he's not doing well, you know. All kinds of this thought, you have to use that. This thought is not lasting, this thought is not me, this thought is a thought of suspicions, I must let it go. It's not easy. It's difficult. But if you keep on training yourself like that, you'll you will detach yourself from it. So, now, right now, as far as meditation is concerned, we have two parts. One is the samatha, which is the focus. The other part is the vipassana, which is to analyze your problem. Analyze the thought that you're involved with. If there's the thought of bankruptcy then you have to deal with, you deal with it. If if there is a problem, you just deal with it. But don't identify your feeling with the problem. That problem comes up because you make a mistake. So you make a mistake, you try to correct the mistake. Mistakes can be corrected. You live at the present moment. At the present moment, here and now, you're happy. You don't be disturbed by all these externalities that, that, that are going to affect you. That takes training. So that's both part, the concentration and the contemplation. You must be able to practice it. Nothing comes easy. You, thought you, you You come to a session like this and you solve your emotional problem? Not that easy. You are the master of your own fate, not medicine. You can do it. Do you go through a training? Do you have the patience? Are you persistent? So that's the meditation part. I only have about an hour to go. But let's go into another part. That's to deal with the sound. That's silent meditation we're talking about. You can do it at home. You can do it in the park. Some people, in Hong Kong, it's so crammed, You know, we don't have big, big houses for a lot of people. You can do it in the morning. If, if you are just in a room, just get on your bed and, and practice that Anupanisati in, in our breath and distance yourself from it and do the meditation at home. You have to train. You need the training, not just talking about it. It's easy to talk about theories if you don't practice it. What's the point of the theory? And if you can pick that up and get used to it, you can help your friends. You can, not only in the anxiety, if you are in the control of your own mind, whatever your mind can conceive, the mind can do. You can apply that to whatever you do. Your mind is strong enough that you can change it. You are what your mind is all about, not about externalities. Next, let's explore another area, sound therapy. People think about Buddhism as something like that. Oh, how come you are chanting the name of a Buddha? How come you are chanting a mantra? You mean, That deity is going to protect you? I don't see that deity. I don't see a god in there. So how come you're superstitious? Let's analyze by mixing science and divinity and spirituality together and and see how, how they can tie to each other. How can they synchronize with each other? What is sound therapy? For thousands of years, sound has been successfully used by man as powerful healing mechanism. Sound. It's a mystic. The mystery of sound. Many researchers have proven that the healing properties of sound, including ultrasound and consciousness altering audible sound, can work gradually and gently to return to the body's own vibrations to the natural states. For example, the highly focused and fast vibrations used in outer sound is now being used in hospitals to break up kidney stones. You know how powerful sound is? If you can focus sound, conjure up its frequency, you don't have to operate on the body. You just use the highly focused sound to break kidney stones. The power of sound is it's incredible, it's inconceivable. Sound. It's a mystery. It's a mystic. Sound vibrations can lower heart rate vi- variability, relax brainwave patterns, and reduce respiration rates. Respiration rates. That's the reason why people listen to music. Some music are soothing. Some music can heal. Gregorian church music, they have the same effect. Don't be biased. Only, only Buddhist mantras have effect. All oh, this music that is designed to soothen your, your, your um, to synchronize your, your, your left and right cerebral coribri- uh, cortex would work. Using the human voice that resonates to stimulate healing Sound therapy is one of the growing number of subtle energy therapies that make up the field of vibrational medicine. Right now, vibrational medicine is so prevalent in North America. They use the vibration as kind of medicine uh, to solve problems in clinics. So that's sound therapy. And it's a science. It's proven. And how, how do we tie this science to actual divinity? Certain sounds help to synchronize our fluctuating brain waves by providing a a stable frequency which the brain waves can attune to by using a repetition of rhythm and frequency. We can harmonize our brain waves. Uh, From a regular waking mind, a waking mind is in a a beta state to a relaxed mode of alpha state. That's the state of the brain waves. You know, we have a beta, Alpha, and then we we'll go a higher level, the meditative state, which is the theta stage, and then to a deep meditating state, we call it the delta stage. So it's all in stages. Your, your, your brain waves is in stages. And then in sound theory, therapy, it is the frequency of the vibration that is being applied in the healing process. In sound therapy, they apply the, the, the frequency of the vibration. It's just like in in ultrasound, they focus the vibrations and break the kidney stones. But in meditation therapy, it's even more inconceivable. Sound is still a matter. Consciousness is beyond matter. Can you see consciousness? We can't see consciousness. Consciousness pertains to meditation, to the mind therapy, and sound is the frequency of vibrations. That's the reason why we're chanting mantra. We're chanting the name of a Buddha. We're chanting Om um Mani Pami Hum. We're chanting all kinds of mantras. That is sound therapy. Don't look at it with superstition. It's a synchronization of the right hemisphere, and the left hemisphere of the brain, of the prefrontal lobes, of the, of the cerebral cortex that you have. It's all about neuroscience. Nothing to do with just God, or deity, or Buddha. So we already have explored into the transformation of consciousness. in in the Vujnana Matrata, or in the Yogacara approach of Buddhism, or the study of the mind, the ultimate objective of studying Vujnana Matrata, or, or, or consciousness only, is to transform tainted consciousness, into pure, into pure wisdom. That's, that's a higher level process. To transform even the consciousness into purity. Sound is to resolve the matter that we have. That's, that's enough. That's enough for dealing with anxiety. So, let's explore some more. Scientists have discovered that certain brainwaves, frequencies, may relieve stress and anxiety, facilitate a deep physical relaxation and mental clarity, increase verbal ability and also the performance of IQ-EQ, and better synchronize the two hemispheres of the brain, helps creative thinking, reduce pain, promote euphoria, as a result of stimulating the the release of endorphins. Endorphins is the kind of hormones that gives you the euphoria, the happiness, and, and relieve pain. It's a good hormone. But sound can do that. And I would like to introduce you to uh, North American Studies by Jonathan Goldman. Uh, you, can, you can research that into Google or you know get into the internet, look at healing sounds. At the beginning of the session, I said already, this session is going to be a mixture of Spirituality, science, neuroscience, psychology, vibrational medicine, not just about about Buddha, not just about, you know, chanting a mantra or prostrating, not about that. We are trying to tie the two together so that you know and I know that it's all rational. You you can follow a thinking pattern on it. Jonathan Goleman, Healing Sounds, very, very prolific writer and researches on on healing sounds. Okay, then let's get into something divinity, spiritual. From what we know about sound therapy, then we know, you know why the monks are chanting mantra? You know why the monks are chanting a sutra? It's a kind of sound therapy. a very effective sound therapy to mental afflictions. For those who are Buddhists, now you know that you've been doing the right thing. You are going through, every, every day when you are chanting, sen Senpusa, Namo, namo Amitabha, Umanipa, you are actually doing sound therapy, synchronizing your left hemisphere with the right hemisphere. So don't do it just for five minutes. So I asked some of my laymen and say, oh, you want to request something, you're not in good health, and what are you doing? I'm, I am invoking Avalokiteshvara, Bodhisattva, Kuenyam to help me. And I said, how much are you chanting? I'm chanting three times Om Padme Hum. <laughs> three times Om Pami Hum for one minute? Not even, not more than one minute. And you invoke the Bodhisattva to help, you just using half a minute you can do it? Not even half an hour. I'll tell you later in, in my slides that there are certain techniques that you must apply in order to make your chanting effective. Now from sound therapy, we know that chanting mantra is extremely effective. Plus, if you're using not consciousness altering sound, if you're using machine sound or medical vibrational sound, it's not human sound. You're not relying on a deity's energy. Whereas if you are chanting a mantra, at the same time, you're connecting your personal energetic frequency with those of the divinity at a higher level. In other words, you are getting that channel, universal, universal channels right there, you're connecting your energy to the, to the Buddhist sattva's energy. He's going to flow the energy to you. So other than the sound therapy that you're experiencing now, you're actually depending on a higher level existence to give you the help. It's more than just created sound therapy. It's a self-created, spiritual, divine, higher level energy that you are invoking. It has multiple effects in it. So you should chant every day. So don't do it for five minutes. I am very disappointed. One hour. You have one hour to spend in your in your workshops and whatever you have, and you know, and you don't have one hour for the chanting. Well, in in in, in well, when, when you are taking day um, 18, everybody is doing this. You know what they are doing? They're talking nonsense. They spend hours and hours on this little machine, they don't have time for chanting Poor They are distributing some papers for Q&A And you can write your question in English, then I'll answer in English You can write your question in Chinese, then I'll answer in Chinese You just write down whether you want Guangdonghua or Pudonghua. You just So if you can write your, your question in, in English, or you can write your question in Chinese, and you can also write your, your, your question in French, but I can't help you. <laughs> I can't help you with that. Sorry. Next, self created sounds such as chanting a mantra or a sutra will cause the left and the right hemispheres of the brain to synchronize. What is the left hemisphere of the brain? The right hemisphere of the brain. Everybody has that. What are the functions? What's, what is the functions of the left hemisphere? Your left hemisphere, which is here, is the ego center, including all learning, logical reasoning, analysis, language center to describe, divine, categorize, communicate, emotions, anxiety, fear, and so everything is in here, in your left hemisphere. The right hemisphere is a spiritual center, abundant with divinity, empathic, blissful, peaceful, tranquility, inward contemplation, and free of attachment, no self. Which one are you tapping into every day? Every day we're tapping in here, not in here because of our, our common energy that pulls us to the left side. Recitation of sacred mantras, sutras, actually causes the right hemisphere, which is the spiritual side of the brain, in effect the body and mind, to become attuned with divine energy. When one chants a mantra, or for an extended period of time, one's vibration of sound frequency can invoke higher energies of bodhisattvas, becoming one and united with the energies. So in more than just creating energy, a self-creating energy, actually you are tying your frequencies with a universal channel. It's just like when you're using your cell phone, there's a certain frequency you tie with certain stations. When you, when you tune your radio station, 1470, 1330, they have a frequency in which you tune it to. When it, once you tune to, to that level, you get all the messages, you get all the energy from the Bodhisattva. Do you want to tune it? Or oh, you just don't care? You just desultorily just tune anywhere you lock You, know, you don't even care where, the, where that universal station is. It's right there. The Buddha is right there. The Bodhisattva is right there. The deity is right there. He's waiting to help you. But you must, you must know his phone number. <laughs> his phone number is the frequency. You've got to connect the frequency. And what is that phone number? The name. But you have to explain to your youngsters that chanting a mantra is not superstitious. It's about science. It's about Vibrational medicine is about sound therapy. It can increase your confidence. If you don't have confidence, you increase your confidence by chanting. I'm going to give you a story. Have you seen, uh, read this book? My Stroke of Insight by Jill Taylor. She is a neuroscientist. She's teaching at Harvard teaching all the doctors neuroanatomy, an expert in the field. She knows everything about the anatomy of brain. What happened to her? One morning, she had a hemorrhage, a rupture on the left brain. It's broken. He had a stroke, she had a stroke because she couldn't talk, she couldn't write, she couldn't even move. She became a vegetation. But the good thing about being a neuroscientist is she knew everything about the right side of the brain, where the messages are, where the stations are. She didn't give up. In her mind, she said, I don't want to be fearful. I don't want to give up. I want to use the right side of my hemisphere to nurture my left side. I know everything about here. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to have a lot of confidence. I will do it. I'll recover. She's using, she was using her right hemisphere to nurture the left one. And after eight years of struggle, she recovered 98%. And here's the story. And here's the book that I want to introduce to you. People, some people may have read it already. It's a true story about details of how you use your vision, your, 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 your willpower, what you know about the right brain, to nurture the left one. On the morning of 10, 1996, Jill Taylor, a young Harvard-trained brain scientist, experienced a massive stroke when the blood vessels exploded in the left side of her brain. A neuroanatomist, by profession, she observed her own mind completely deteriorated to the point she lost the ability to walk, talk, read, write, recall any of her life. She became a vegetation, simply put. So, as the damaged left side of her brain, which is the rational, logical, detailed, time-oriented, swung out of function, Taylor alternated between two distinct and opposite realities. The euphoric nirvana of the intuitive and emotional right brain. So the right brain is about nirvana, about enlightenment, about meditation, about focus, about no self, no ego. She's using that. And she became successful. She was able to to recover. She later gained full recovery through the intimate experience of awakening her own injured left brain through the function of the right brain. The journey of recovery took eight years for Jill to feel completely healed. Taylor completely repaired her brain. So it's, it's very important that when you're dealing with your anxiety, you know that this is responsible for your anxiety. That's your amygdala. That's the messages you receive, but you've got the emotions, not here. So how do we do it then? Why do we bring all this? Let's take a look at some of the neuroscience. What happened to your brain? We have to remember that the left side of the brain, which is here, Logical, time includes now, past, and future, all kinds of attachment. Language center, there's a scribe, divine, categorize, and commu- communicate, ego center. That is your ego center. Analytical, outward, contemplation, and attachment. That's the problem area. That's the karmic area, which brings all the karma accumulated, is it's all stored in here. The right side, divinity, timeless only with the moment of now, that's the reason why when some of the meditators, experience meditators said, we meditate here and now. We meditate on acti, in and out breath. Here and now, what is here and now? We tap into the right side of the brain. Not into the left side, not about internal commentator and everything, not about bias, not about ego. And then, going a little deeper, into what we're talking about, sound therapy. What's the power of mental chanting? How do we use mental chanting to heal anxiety, to heal emotions? How do we use mental power to make you successful in what you're doing, to give you more confidence? Here's what we should do. During chanting, our physiological changes are occurring. When actually, when you are doing the chanting, your endorphins is producing more. Your hormones work, your physiological changes come about. You feel happy, you feel, you feel inner peace, you feel you're in prayers. Because you, get into, you tap into the right hemisphere of the cerebral cortex which is to spirituality. The effectiveness of the power of chanting depends on a number of things. Your focus, your intention, your repetition, vocalization, and your visualization. Visualization, you could, you may or may not use it. If you can use it, it will be better. Even if you don't use visualization, it will still work. But if you can visualize, it will be much better. So, what do you do? Focus plus intention, plus repetition, plus vocalization, plus visualization will give you the most effectiveness. What do we mean by intention? Because when you are chanting, you have a wish that you want to come true. Right now, I'm not healthy. I wish to chant that Buddhist will will bestow on me good health." You have an intention. You can't achieve without any intention, can you? You just chant and you do any intention, so what are you achieving? You don't even have a destination. You don't even have an objective. You have to set your objective in mind. I want to change my anxiety. I don't want any more depression. I want to be successful. I want to do good at university. I want to do my job so that I will be as productive as possible. You can be whatever you want to be. It's in you, not in God. You have that God in you. You don't have to look for it. The God is never outside. The God is right here, in here, right here and now. Don't look for it. There was a story uh, I got from one of those sutras. There was a, a nun in the Tang Dynasty and she spent 20 years with her master, learning meditation. And she felt that uh, her master's meditation techniques are not effective and she thought, I had to go somewhere else. So she bid farewell to the old master and she wanted to travel to all different temples and and want to learn meditation because you always think that something remote is always better so he traveled out of the place to look for techniques of meditation and after traveling for 25 years she thought that oh this is time to go home i learned something but let, let me go home to visit my old master so she would return home and as she was walking under a whole avenues of cherry trees she sniffed in the fragrance of the cherry trees And all of a sudden, she got enlightenment And she uttered a poem The poem says something like this Because in my internal translator, I have to say in Chinese first I am looking for spring everywhere, I can't find it I'm translating it to you right now To so the Chinese, it's Chun." I'm looking for spring and I couldn't find it. I have traveled so much that I, I wore out a few pairs of my shoes already. When I returned to my home, to my own home, my temple home, my home temple, Chunjoy The spring has already, has always been at home. I didn't have to look for anywhere. It's always at Spring is always at home. Why do I have to look for spring outside? It's right in me to get an enlightenment. Don't look for anywhere. Right in you. If you practice what you've got today, which I regurgitated from what I know about the Buddhist teaching, it's enough for you to work through your whole lifetime depends on how you practiced it. You can watch a hundred videos, six hundred books, and go every from one temple to another, from one meditation hall to another. Spring is right in your heart. Don't look for it. Repetition is very important. Always have to repeat, Om Mani Bami Hong, Om Mani Bami Hong. The power comes from repetition. The sound power comes from repetition. Just three times, no, 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 not enough. Thousand times until it becomes strong. So you need to repeat and repeat and repeat. And then you say, I don't have enough time. No, it does not matter. When you're taking the station, when you are, you know, subway station, you always, you know, instead of looking at the WhatsApp and doing all these devices and checking all this, why don't you just close your eyes and say, you still can do it. You can do it when you are walking, when you're working. You'll get, you always keep that mantra in your mind working inside of you. Vocalization. Of course, when you're in a subway, you, you don't vocalize it. Otherwise, the guys say, what are you doing? <laughs> are you out of your mind? What are you doing? So when you, are, when you are all by yourself, you need to vocalize it. You need to say it out. Don't just whisper, just say it out, so that you can listen to it. You can listen back to your e-drums. Visualization, if you can visualize the, the, the deity or the, the bodhisattva, visualize the image, so that your visualization will help you in your focus, in your intention, in your repetition, that would really work. That's the power of sound therapy. But in the ancient days, when when sutras were translated, they didn't mention that word sound therapy, but that's in it. Chanting is sound therapy. So when your chanting has become a habit with the persistent firmness of intent, the effect will come to you. You don't have to look for it. So given all that information, can you chant for 10 minutes? Do you have that piece of paper in front of you? Okay, let's chant the Peacock King Mantra. It's a very energetic mantra. And this is the gesticulation, the mutra for it. Like a peacock, peacock king mantra. And then when you chant, Om Mayura Grante Swaha. When you're chanting in it, you focused on it. You focus on the power of it. You focus on the intention, you're repeating it all the time, you vocalized it. It's important that you vocalized it. Don't whisper. Can you say that out? Um you're a Of course, there's meaning in it. In a session like this, I can't explain everything. Actually, I should have explained to you the benefits of it and how do you change it, how you do a gesticulation. Why do we do do the gesticulation? That represents because Karma is produced out of body action, you need to purify your body action. This is a symbolizing that right now I'm not doing any killing, lying, I'm not doing any misbehavior. I am concentrating in this good behavior and I symbolize it by gesticulation. So that's the behavior part of the purity. And then the sound part of the the purity is in the mantra itself. And then the thought is visualizing, thinking about the repetition, thinking about the focus, and thinking about, the, about the, the, uh, uh, the visualization of the image. So that's what you're doing right here. And let's do it now, okay? Now I'll start and say it out loud, and you can close your eyes, focus on it, and chant it out
1: uh, in harmony. Om Mayura Grande Swaha. Om mayura kranti swaha 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 Om mayura kranti waha. mayura Om mayura karande swaha 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 Om mayura Karandes, swaha Om mayura Karandes, swaha Om mayura karanti swaha Om mayura karanti swaha Om mayura Karandes. swaha Om mayura Karandes swaha Om mayura karanti swaha Om mayura karanti Om mayura karande swaha Om mayura karande Om mayura karande swaha Om mayura karande swaha Om mayura karande swaha Om mayura karande swaha Om mayura swaha Om um, Mayura Karandes Waha, 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 Om Karandes Waha, Om Karandes Waha, Om um, Mayura Karandes Waha, Om um, Mayura Karandes Waha. Om mayura karande swaha 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 Om um, 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 mayura karande Om mayura karande swaha Om mayura karande swaha Om mayura karande swaha Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura Karandi Ah, mayura Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande swaha. Um swaha Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande Om mayura garande swaha 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 Om mayura garande Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande swaha Um mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande swaha Um mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande Om Mayra Grandes Waha. Um Mayura Garandes waha. Um Mayra Ah Om Mayura Garandes waha. Um Mayura Gurandes waha. Um Mayura Gurandes waha. Um Mayura Om Mayura Garande Swaha. Om Mayura Garande Swaha. Om Mayura Garande Swaha. Om Mayura Garande Swaha. Om Mayura Garande. Ah, Om Mayura Garande Swaha. Om Mayura Garande Swaha. Om Mayura Garande Swaha. Om Mayura Garande. Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura iswa Om mayura garande Om mayura garande Om mayura garande um, Mayura, Gorandis, Waha, Om Mayura, Gorandis, Waha, Um, Mayura, Gorandis, Swaha Mayura, Gorandis, Waha, Um, Mayura, Gorandis, Waha, Um, Mayura, Gorandis. Om mayura garande <inaudible> waha Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande Om mayura garande Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura garande swaha Om mayura Iswaha Um Mayura Garandes waha, Um Mayura Garandes waha, Um Mayura Garandi, Um Mayura Garandes waha, Um Mayura Garandes waha, Um Mayura Garandi, Um Mayura Garandes waha, um Gayuragarandes waha. Mayura garande swaha, um mayura garande swaha, um mayura garande swaha, um mayura garande ah, um mayura garande swaha, um mayura garande swaha, um mayura garande swaha, um mayura garande swaha, um mayura garande swaha. Um Mayura Karande Swaha, Um Mayura Karande, Um Mayura Karande Swaha, Um Mayura Karande Swaha, Um Mayura Karande Swaha, Mayura Karande Swaha, Um Mayura Karande Swaha, Um Mayura Karande Swaha, Um Mayura Karande Swaha. Mayura Gorandes, waha, um Mayura Gorandes, waha, um Mayura swaha, waha, Mayura Gorandes, waha, um Mayura waha, um Mayura. This Waha Om Mayura Karandes waha, um Mayurakarandes Om Mayura Karandes waha, Om Mayura Karandes waha, Mayura Karandes waha, um Mayurakarandes waha, um Mayura Karandes waha. (imitation) Mayura Karande Swaha. Om Mayura Karande Swaha. Om Mayura Karande Swaha. Om Mayura Karande. Ah. Om Mayura Karande Swaha. Om Mayura Karande Swaha. Om Mayura Ah. Om Mayura Karande Swaha. Om Mayura Karande Swaha. Om Mayura Karande Swaha.
0: You may put your palms, your hands down. The next one that we would like to try it out is the Six syllables Mantra, the Om Mani Padme Home is a very common, prevalent mantra, especially in Tibet. Uh, chanting the mantra invokes the powerful, benevolent attention and blessings of Avalokiteshvara Bodhisattva, Guanyin菩萨,啊，Guanyin菩萨的三咒。Om um, Mani Hom. So, what's the meaning of Om? Om is the origin of all sounds and the origin of all benevolent deeds. That's Om. Om, Ah, Hom are the very basic sounds of the universe. Om is a very mystical, divine, spiritual sound. So, Om. Mani means the most precious jewel, diamond, symbolizing our Buddha nature. So we have that Buddha nature in us, which is the most precious that we have to reveal, unravel. So we have to find that inside. So that's matni. Matni means the most precious jewel, which means the Buddha nature in us. Padme means lotus. Lotus grown from the mud. Mud is dirty mud, but but the lotus itself is so pure, it springs out from the mud. So we have to learn to be like a lotus. But if you learn to be like a lotus, you must be able to purify all your senses, to purify all your eight consciousnesses, your eyes, your ears, your nose, your body, your mono consciousness, your, 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 your manas consciousness, and your alaya consciousness. You have to purify your consciousnesses. Of course, in, in the transformation of all the tainted consciousnesses into Pure wisdom, you have to go through certain procedures, and that's the topic of Vishnana Matra the Vishnana is in school, that we're not going to cover here today. It's, to, it's profound and, and it's, it takes a lot of time to, to explain that. Home, every time when a mantra is chanted, a seed, a bodhi seed, is planted in your life consciousness. So every time when you're, Om Mani me Home, that seed is planted in you, it will never go away. It's always in there. It's just like when you key into a computer. That is always in your memory. It's always stayed there. So the more you chant, the more power it comes. So next, we're going to chant this Om Mani Padme Hum. All right? Okay. Let's chant this. You have to vocalize it. And this is your mudra, your gesticulations. Like as if you're holding a lotus. And that's
1: Om Mani Padme Hum. Om Mani Padme Hum. Om Mani Om Mani Padme Hum. Om Mani Padme Hum. Mani Om Mani Om Mani Om Mani Om Mani Om Om Ba hon, om 옹옹 마네 마메 O home home
0: The third mantra that we want to try it out, actually not just chanting a mantra, chanting a sutra will have the same effect. So when you are chanting a, a sutra, a sutra has has all the explanations in it. The effect of chanting or reciting a, uh, a sutra is the same as chanting a mantra. It depends on the consciousness at the time of chanting. So the next one we would like to try it out was Medicine Buddha. By Guru. Yeah. Now the, it's mm-hmm. Om by Sajjay, by Sajjay, by Sambukati Swaha. Mm-hmm. So the Pisasa Pisasa Pisa Sir, Pisa Sambukati Swaha. Hanwen is just like Zhong Song. Uh, Om by Sajjay, by Sajjay, by Sambukati Swaha. By is medicine. Medicine, medicine, medicine to heal. That's the right path. Swaha, that means. Accomplishments of all benevolent deeds. So, Om by Sajye, by Sajye, by Sajye, Zamagade Swaha. The Medicine Buddhist Mantra is renowned for healing. However, it empower, moreover, it empower, empowers us to neutralize past bad karma, bring good fortune to those in need, and follow the path to enlightenment. So, this is the last mantra for tonight. It's going to be five o'clock. So I said tonight before we depart, um, we still have to
1: answer these Q and A questions. Okay. <laughs> Om Baisajja Baisajja Samagati Swaha. Om Baisajja 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 Samagati Swaha. Om Baisajja 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 Samagati Swaha. Om Baisajja 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 Samagati Swaha om vai saje vai saje sa samagati swaha om vai saje vai saje sa samagati swaha om vai saje vai saje sa samagati swaha
0: the, the last item on the, on the agenda is if you have family members and friends who suffer from depression. How should you help? How do you help them? Here's a poem. Do you really know what I need right now? I'm a patient of anxiety, a patient of depression. What I want is your support and kindness. Please don't laugh or frown at me when I cry. Please don't tell me what I ought to do. I have already known the reasons of emotions. Just sit quietly by my side, and do it with me. Don't blame me. Don't frown at me. Live with me. I know all the reasons. I can get into Googles to get all the theories, reasoning of depression. But I need your support. So what do you do? To help those who get through depression, You must give them what they truly need, not dietetic lessons on what they ought to think or feel, but learning to accept and care for them as they are in the present moment. Today, you learn all these techniques. Can you brush them up and tell them to do this? Focus, break the the habitual pattern of thought of depression. Break it by using concentration, this focus in and out, Anapanasati. Research into Anapanasati. How do you use this focus to break the habitual pattern of thinking, of depression, anxiety, ADHD, phobia, fear? Break it. And then add in the wisdom. When you're meditating, think about emptiness, think about no self. Think about, this thought is not me. Why do I have to identify myself with me? This is temporary. This is not forever. Why do I have to agonize on it? Why do I attach to it? Put wisdom into it, analyze it. And then, use sound therapy. Chana Mantra, Chana Sutra. Invoke help from others. That works. Scientifically and spiritually. So why can't we... More than just living with them, listening to them, don't blame them. We'll help them out by introducing all these techniques. Develop the powers of patient listening, understanding and compassion to provide healing to their mind and let the teachings of the Dharma shine through into their soul. The Buddha's teaching, nothing about superstition, nothing about blind faith. It's about healing, it's about compassion, it's about giving, not about worshipping. It's about understanding your mind, knowing that of the others, those of the others, and synchronize both, synchronize both your right hemisphere with the left hemisphere. Your spiritual side with the rational side. Harmonize it. Tapping into it, that resource is unlimited. Explore it. Going through that enlightenment odyssey to find out the truth. Don't bias yourself with the intuitive superstition idea. It's scientific. It's neuroscience. It's psychology.